Hi, I'm Danielle. And I'm Josie. And welcome to The White Mouse Society. Tigra. Yes. Yay. We have a thing for so La Tigra good. on here. <laughs> yes, because they're amazing. They are. Oh, so good. So how has your week been? Oh my god. It's been crazy. Yeah? It's been very interesting. I heard you had a fun time at a new job. Uh, so I got a job and then the job did not work out because <laughs> it was a very bad place run by not great people. Oh, I hate and those. I don't like I don't normally quit jobs like that. Mm-hmm. Like I will stick them out. So I feel really guilty about quitting, but like it was just not going to work. No. And I no, don't. So that's blame that's why it. I was last week. So I apologize that we <laughs> missed last week, guys. Oh yeah, but surprisingly, I mean, the, while a lot of stuff happened, surprisingly, not a lot of stuff happened. You know, it's true. It's true. But yeah, I don't blame you for leaving that job. I remember when you were telling me about it. It's a lot like a job I had that. The first day I was there, I stupidly wore like brand new shoes that kind of gave me blisters on the back of my feet. And so Mm -hmm. when I got there, I asked for a Band-Aid and they didn't have a first aid kit anywhere in the building. Mm -hmm. And it was a pizza place. And then when we walked into the back, um, there's this... The whole room was like surrounded... Well, centered around this big pizza cooking machine i don't remember what those are called the ovens the pizza ovens um (laughs) simple word there um except her children's toys and crayons and her children were like surrounding the oven and i was just like i should not work here first of all they don't have a first aid kit in a place with an open oven and second of all there are children under the age of five running around this oven and I decided not to quit because I really needed money and then every single day that I worked there was awful oh wow so even though sorry I like so I totally understand where you're coming from of like you're not the type of person to just quit jobs like you'll work it out I stuck that one out, and I tell you, don't do it. <laughs> if you know it's awful, I think you made the right decision. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Anyways, that was nonsense. How about you? How's the house stuff going? We took a week off from doing anything productive in the house, so our house still looks like we just moved in. Oh, fun. <laughs> but we are going to start doing stuff a little more hardcore because we were just so drained and tired because we were just working nonstop before. And now that we're in here and out of the apartment officially, we just decided to take a break and live out of boxes for a little bit. 
<laughs> Sometimes it helps a little bit. A little bit. But also living out of the boxes. Kind of you... Sorry. I was going to say, because then it kind of gets you motivated to actually want to do it. Because exactly. it just sucks. And, like, you just don't want to. And then you live out of boxes for a couple days and you're like, nope, 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 can't do this. Exactly. It's just like, no, no, no. This is a smart idea to move things out. So, yeah, that's actually what we're going to be doing today after recording is unloading everything for the kitchen because, wow, cooking without all of your equipment is difficult. Oh, my God. I cannot imagine. (laughs) I cannot imagine, but... Anyways, uh, should we get to the news? I think we should. All right. Um, so really fast before we get started, um, it's September 11th. It is. The 16th anniversary of it. Um, and the Trump administration has asked today that the Supreme Court intervene once again on behalf of his travel ban. So that's fun. Uh, there's told- not too much news on it so far but uh, you told me about this before the show and then it wasn't till just now that I put the two and two together of like he went to ask the Supreme Court on fucking 9-11 mm-hmm. okay um, somebody actually like released like um, Trump's like actual 9-11 some of his actual responses <gasps> from like, 16 there's, like, an years article ago about it I was thinking of posting it and then I'm like maybe I should wait until tomorrow to post it because like people are still very sensitive about this day which is totally like understandable justified and mm-hmm. yeah like it's it's still horrible um still something that we definitely um have to deal with on a daily basis like in the US um yeah stuff like whatnot um i'm looking at donald trump's twitter now he's not saying anything weird but yeah so on 9-11 um i guess like he was being interviewed for a news thing and it was right after the towers fell and he was like oh well my tower it was the second tallest building in new york because of the world trade center so now it's the tallest building oh my god just has no empathy nothing um oh my god yeah no it's so bad um so anyways locally news a nurse i'm sure that everybody has seen this video by now oh yeah it's it was pretty horrifying so um these cops came in to get a blood draw from a patient in a the burn unit in um the, the university of utah hospital and um the victim had been in a car accident. Um, he kind of like caused it. Somebody else died. No. And these, huh? He was the victim. Like, oh, he was the victim. I thought that the victim was the other person that got killed. No, the person he was oh. trying to get blood from was the person who was hit. Like, he had nothing to do oh. with the accident. Okay, so that that makes it even worse. But anyways, it does. So, um, the. The University of Utah and, like, all other, like, health places have rules set up for blood draws. The patient has to be awake. The patient has to be consenting. The only way that, like, police can come in and demand a blood draw is if they have a warrant, if the person's 
going to be like arrested and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and the cops did not have this uh the cop detective jeff payne who has been doing this for 25 years he's been doing the blood draw stuff for 25 years he um threw a fit grabbed the nurse manhandled her dragged her out to the car and threw her in there's body cam footage it's really ugly yeah and Uh, there's multiple angles of it too yes um there was some there was a newly released video that i watched um earlier today about it was after she was in the car arrested and detective Payne and another guy were discussing it the thing and they were both just like this isn't even like our case Mm -hmm. like we just need to kind of get the hell out of here like you know um it's really ugly jeff Payne was is on um administrative leave he was fired from his paramedic job which he did part-time and um yeah the university of utah announced a new protocol for the hospitals and that will be that nurses are no longer allowed to interact with law enforcement agents at all i think that is like the best thing that they could have done Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely um yeah, Margaret Pierce, who was the chief nursing officer at the hospital, said, I need to make sure this never, ever, ever, ever happens to another one of our care providers again. Um, instead of interacting with nurses, law enforcement officers will be directed to health supervisors who are highly trained on rules and laws, and those interactions won't take place in patient care areas either. Yeah, it should be taking place at like a desk where they're both sitting down and everybody remains calm. An officer's just like, don't just randomly arrest people doing their jobs. It's true. Um, the uh, mayor of Salt Lake City and the chief of police were kind of under fire for not really, like, they didn't really do enough. Yeah, no. I don't think. They released a statement. The nurse's name was spelled wrong on the statement (sighs) i remember seeing they may have corrected it by now hopefully they did but with the initial statement the nurse's last name was spelled incorrectly um (laughs) and they just were like oh well we need to we're pending an investigation and stuff and then he was placed on administrative leave it was yeah there just there needs to be more done to hold these police accountable for shit like this. Yeah, absolutely. Like for like the police officers that act like this need to be held accountable for their actions because this is bullshit. Yeah, it's this weird, and I've seen so many different conversations going on about this because it's weird when something that happens locally becomes national news. But it, I mean, this is something that clearly would become national mm-hmm. news. But all of these different conversations going on about it, some people are just trying to be like, no matter what, you need to comply with the police because they're trying to do their job and they're on the right side of the law, or at least they're trying to be on the right side of the law. Of the well, law. So um, Alex Wobbles, the nurse, asked hospital security for help and to have someone protect her because she felt unsafe from officer pain from the very beginning. The university police and security responded by just standing there looking at their phones, she said, telling me they could not protect me. Yeah, because 
their police versus university police, which are apparently real police in this situation. I don't know. And it's so stupid because, no, if the police are on the wrong side, you have rights. Like, she had a right to not be arrested simply for not doing something illegal, like giving somebody blood samples without a warrant. Like, that's the mm-hmm. whole point. The The hospitals are always trying to help police, but they have to do it the right way. Exactly. Or else, like, to protect themselves. Because what if she had given them the whole, the blood sample, then they could have sued the university for doing mm-hmm. something unlawful like that. Exactly. Like, police um, officers should know that, yeah, when they're having to work with the hospitals, that they need to do it to the letter of the law to protect both ends. Yes. Um, also, I lied. Um the, so he, Detective Jeff Payne, um, was removed from blood draw duty immediately, but he was still allowed to be a detective. Oh, right. That's so right. He was still, yeah, sorry. I, I messed up on that. So, um, so yeah, he and, um, Salt Lake City Police Lieutenant James Tracy were both put on leave on September 1st, which was the same day the criminal investigation began. Hmm. So... And he also, didn't he, I can't remember where I read it, didn't he also work as a paramedic? Did you say that? Yes, I did say that. Okay, I'm sorry. He was fired from the paramedic job. No, you're fine. Um, Yeah, he just did it part-time. Yeah. Um, And he also was caught on camera saying, telling her or somebody else that he was going to bring the good patients to a different hospital from then on. (sighs) Yeah. Fucking disgusting. Um, All of it. Local local Twitter celebrity defense attorney Edward Brass confirmed last Friday, like on September 1st, that they were both put on leave. Good. Not Um, soon enough, but good. No, exactly. Yeah, because that was like about, that was pretty close to like a week after this happened. Yeah. Um, Apparently, uh, Jeff Payne has been receiving death threats. Which is not okay. No. That's the weird thing. Like, okay, guys, clearly he's on the wrong side here, but don't also put yourself on the wrong side by threatening him personally. That's not cool. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Um, Yeah. Uh, to bring up a, just a talking point for people and a thing to think about because it is important to think about this. Um... I've also had some friends that are people of color point out that, you know, there is a huge uproar about this and Mm -hmm. she just happens to be a white person in this situation. Yeah. It's the imagine how this situation could have gone if the nurse was black. No, it's true. It's, it's been like a thing, um... Because there's been there's been some other interactions with police officers recently that have happened with um, people of color that I haven't seen reported on anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there was um, there was like a black guy who was arrested, not arrested, he was pulled over. Sorry for um, running a light, I believe, or something. Like it was something kind of like not. It was just a traffic stop, kind right? Of thing. And the cop immediately, like, walks up with his gun and, like, the guy had 
Facebook Live on already. And he was just like, really? You're like, you're walking up to my fucking car with a gun? Like, he was just, no- oh, thank you. Not signaling for a turn. Thank you, James. <laughs> um, and um, the cop just, like, walked up with a gun and the guy just, like, let the cop have it. And, like, I have not seen anybody talk about that. <sighs> I've not I heard any it. news about, like, what happened to the cop, anything. I don't understand why cops are so afraid for their lives right now. They're the ones killing people. It's true. True facts. <sighs> All right. Anything else on that one? <laughs> nope, that's it. Cool. <laughs> um, speaking of unfair things for other people, Trump has decided to roll back DACA. And then say that he, like, has no, like, no choice, like, no say. Yeah, no choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do. Yeah, you do. You're the one that's bringing it up. You're the one that's <laughs> doing this. All right. So for the people who might not know, DACA is the acronym for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It is a program that was created in 2012 by the Obama administration, allowing young people brought to the U.S. illegally by their parents to get a temporary reprieve from deportation and to receive permission to work, study, and obtain a driver's license. Um, DACA applicants had to be younger than 31 years old when the program began, and they also had to prove that they lived in the United States continuously since June 15th of 2007 and that they had arrived in the U.S. before the age of 16. Those signing up for DACA must show that they have a clean criminal records. They also have to be enrolled in high school or college or serve in the military, and their status would was renewable every two years. So, oh wow, yeah. yeah. So it's you had to come back every two years, and you had to prove keep your uh, record clean, keep a job, and all of that stuff. Like you had to prove that you were being good for the economy. Which, like, is understandable. Totally. Like, when you're thinking of um, immigration status, you want people who are good for the economy, which is also why, like, we're not against immigrants, because every single time they're brought up, they're always giving more money to the economy than they're taking from it, so. It's true. It's so true. Like, I just, I don't, like, people try to, like, criminalize shit for, like, no reason. Yeah, it's just like, you're here when you're not supposed to be. So obviously, you're taking my money and my jobs. It's like, no, no. That's not how it works. No, no. Um, So during Trump's campaign, he rallied against illegal immigration and promised to reverse what he called President Obama's unconstitutional executive actions. Of course, um, the whole reason that uh, Obama had to make this an executive order was because his Congress, which was mainly Republicans, didn't want to do shit for him. So he had to do it himself. But whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, fine, whatever. Let's ignore that part. Um, But as soon as Trump became president, he began backtracking, you know, as he does. Uh, Early on, he said a decision about the fate of the Dreamers, which is what... um, like the people who are a part of DACA, the the children of immigrants are called. Um, the fate of the dreamers was very difficult for him, but we're going to show great heart. And then as recently as last week, 
he said that when he asked about his impending decision, Trump said, we love the dreamers. And then immediately announced his decision to roll back DACA and just kind of washed his hands of the problem. Like, I just can't understand. Like, it's it's just, I, I cannot put my head into that kind of thinking. No, oh because my God. Because all it is, it's, 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 ra- it's racist thinking. Because mm-hmm. they're like, they are brown. They don't belong here kind of thing. And the high majority of uh dreamers are from mexico so this paired with his weird decision to pardon joe apario it's his first name joe right Um, the sheriff asshole guy that we talked about last time it it just kind of shows his racism specifically against mexicans or hispanics and it's just like be more obvious dude Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, he gave them a six-month warning, but he didn't actually give the Dreamers much hope because, like, yeah, no action for six months, but there's nothing for those people who are productive citizens, well, not citizens, productive people here in America earning money, giving, putting money into the economy, raising money for everybody, like, just in general, making life good here they're Mm -hmm. in six months given no protection and he's just like sorry sorry i had to do this um very much trying to have it two ways like one trying to please his base by keeping the stupid promise he made during his campaign rolling back everything obama and two trying to look compassionate saying he loves the dreamers but it's not their fault for what their parents did but he has to keep the law blah 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 it's just one of his tweets like specifically stood out to me that it shows to me that he wants credit for something um he said that congress needs to address daca now and make a law and they have six months to do it so he wants credit for rolling back things that obama did and Mm -hmm. then he wants congress well trust me you have that credit buddy oh totally i mean he's definitely done enough there that's all he's done yeah that's the only thing that he's done but that's basically what he ran on he was running on the racism of people who hate president obama and just everything that he did was bad for them. So pretty much rolling back everything Obama for him is a good thing. But also he wants there to be a law because he knows that DACA, while unpopular because it was an executive order, is popular. People like it. They think it's good. But he wants credit for it. So he wants to try to force Congress's hand by making them like, make a law so he can have something to sign interesting sorry what were you gonna say though oh no 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 you kind of covered it so we're good oh yeah so it's just this like he he wants credit for doing something good but in the time that he's doing this he's toying with the lives of eight hundred thousand people no million let me look that up yeah no, 800,000. 
Oh, okay. So, but still, like it's it's, it's still a, like, it's a lot of people. Um, there was I was watching a video um, about like a girl that was at one of the DACA like protest mm-hmm. rallies, and um, she was talking about like how she's a business owner. She's like, she's been here since she was a kid, and she's like, they're going to send me back to a country that I've never been to. I yeah. don't know anyone there. Like, there's not. She's like, and all I keep think like, she's like, I'm so scared about that. But I also keep thinking about the people that are younger than me, that they're going to do this too. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's the worst thing with a lot of it is that, I mean, Trump even acknowledged the fact that half, that not half, the majority of the dreamers are people who were brought to the U.S. as infants, as children. And even if they're a little bit older, they don't have any memories of the countries that they came from. And they've never been there before. They've only been in the U.S. So it's just completely unfair to roll something like this back that's protecting them just just because. <laughs> and, it's, it's a shitty, like, weird racist power move. Yeah. And he likes to play this like little thing about how his hand was a little bit forced because in June no, 10, well, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't because I mean, he was the one who brought it up. Like it is his own damn fault because he was the one who made this an issue. But then in June, 10 Republicans wrote a letter to Sessions threatening to sue over the executive order if Trump didn't roll it back. But the thing is, is they've done that before when Obama was president and it didn't get anywhere. So Trump didn't need to feel like his hand was being forced because it wouldn't have led anywhere. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And the last thing on that, he, he like he's again trying to have both sides of this. Like he wants credit on both sides. The bit latest tweet that not latest, but like the tweet that like shows this is that he says he'll revisit the issue in six months, six months. If Congress well, doesn't uh, make it into law. So. Yeah, and as James says, that he uh, fell for an obvious bluff. Like, it, it was obvious. And his tweet saying that if Congress doesn't do anything in six months, he'll revisit the issue. That's basically telling Congress they don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see what happens, I guess. But if something actually does get into law and these guys have, like, real legitimate legal protection, that is good. But I refuse to say that Trump has anything to do with it because he put their lives on the line for it. Oh. Um. All right. So the hurricanes. Oh yeah, so many hurricanes. That we we had um two huge hurricanes happen in like one right after the other, basically. Um, oh yeah. We had Hurricane Harvey that hit Texas, um, in the Houston area especially. It's been pretty devastating um the department of public safety there uh in let's see texas's golden triangle which made up which is made up of hard hit beaumont port arthur and orange texas 
they, um, as of Friday, 122,331 people have been rescued or evacuated and um, 52 or 5,234 pets as well. Um, in that area, they are still about 25% of a rescue and 75% recovery mode. Mm-hmm. It's It's been pretty devastating. Um, the storm caused an, an estimated $75 billion worth of damage. Wow. And it's um, one of the most expensive natural disasters on record. It's left uh, more than 70 people dead and ravaged nearly 300 miles of the Texas coast and parts of Louisiana. It's um, flooded homes, displaced more than a million people. Uh, more than 21,000 people remain in shelters Friday, um, according to the Texas Department of Public Safety Situation Report. It's pretty intense. There's no place for people to, like, stay. People are jobless. Like, it's kind of it's crazy. Um, it in, is, in yeah. Houston, yeah. In Houston, um, there were, like, a bunch of, like, churches and schools and community centers that opened their doors to offer a temporary shelter to survivors. Um, other houses of worship organized volunteer teams to help with relief efforts. But um, Joel Austin, who owns that mega church down there, well, he has many mega churches, but one of them um, in Lakewood, uh, he said that it was inaccessible due to severe flooding um during the storm um some people went down and did facebook live videos and were like oh yeah look at all this flooding guys there was like barely any water on the ground like just rain and they were like oh look at all this and um joel austin was basically bullied to finally opening up the doors for his church for people to stay in he was on yeah no he totally is um there was a um, an interview that he did, I think it was like one of the one of the morning shows, and he was like, "Oh, well, nobody even asked us <laughs> to like open it." And it's yeah. like nobody asked these other churches to do it. Yeah, and his whole like the whole like yeah, if the government had asked us to do it, we would have done it. Isn't the part like of churches and religions is to do things out of the graciousness of your heart and not because you're supposed to do stuff? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> apparently not no also, no not uh, in this guy's religion no not in this guy's um also apparently like i saw some videos i'm not 100 percent on how accurate this is but i would not be surprised but they held a service on um the sunday after they had finally opened up the doors and there were people handing out like little trays to donate to their church uh, hopefully yeah with all that money and items and your f- possessions that you were able to get out of your homes donate yep <sighs> it's true it's really like it's one of those things that it's like i still haven't been able to like really find out if that's actually like super accurate but i would not be surprised no i wouldn't but... be either but i mean if it isn't accurate like we'll find out for sure eventually mm-hmm. i'm sure there'll be it's a true. snopes page about it yes yes um yeah anyways so um next up was irma which was um set to be one of the biggest oh my god like, yeah like the highest category uh, natural disaster that we've ever experienced it was um up to a category five mm-hmm. um when it initially 
first started, um, it was knocked down to a Category 4 as it hit the Bahamas. It hit Puerto Rico. It hit the Caribbean islands, um, Cuba. It was it weakened again over Cuba um, when it finally hit the Florida Keys. That's when it was kind of it was still pretty strong. Um, it's about a category three then, and then it knocked down to a category two. Ended up not being as bad as they thought it was going to be, but for like. But for the U.S., like everywhere mm. else, has been pretty devastating. Um, oh, and for both... like reference for people, sorry, Hurricane Katrina was also a Category mm-hmm. Five. So that tells you, like, oh, okay. remember how bad what that they... was? That's how bad this one what is. These tiny, yeah, and these tiny island countries. Yeah, that's with that. yeah. No. Um, Hurricane Harvey and Irma could cost the U.S. economy $290 billion, an estimate says. Goddamn. So. And that's over time, right? Not like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, either Um, way, goddamn, but. Together, AccuWeather predicts these two disasters amount to 1.5 of a percentage point of the GDP, which which will about equal and therefore counter the natural growth of the economy for the period of mid-August through the end of the quarter. So it's not really going to, like, doesn't look like it really affects the economy too much, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Irma is also going to be one of the costliest hurricanes of all time. Um, according to um, Joel Myers, the president of AccuWeather, he said it's going to be about $100 billion there. But yeah. Um, just as a addition to horrible things happening in the U.S., um, just this like last two weeks, maybe a little three weeks, there have been major fires in... Oregon, Montana, Washington, Idaho, and Utah. Um, it was in Ogden, but it didn't last as long as. But still. Yeah, I mean, this was still really bad. Uh, and California. And here in Utah, nearly 200 homes in a high end neighborhood um, were evacuated. But yeah, huge fires going on in the west side of the United States and huge hurricane and rainstorms going on in the southeast. Not a great, not a great time in the U.S. No, it's really not. (sighs) Goodness. Yay. (laughs) All right. So on to the last story. Um, But it kind of has to do with the hurricanes going on uh president donald trump surprised the leaders of his own party in congress on wednesday when he backed a deal that was pushed by democrats to attach hurricane relief money to a shorter term bump in the debt ceiling as well as keeping the government open uh cutting off his own treasury secretary to strike the deal Several Republicans briefed on the meeting said that Trump, who had been absent a major legislative achievement for his first seven months in office. That's a weird sentence. 
Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Every time, like, I hear Treasury Secretary, like, I want to sing Washington's the President, like, from Hamilton. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're saying that Trump was hungry for a deal. It also came right after he was warned of a packed legislative calendar that could have pushed tax reform past like this fall which he really wants and the wednesday session uh before this republican leaders including house speaker paul ryan and senate majority leader mitch mcconnell first pushed lifting the debt ceiling for an 18 months with no agreement at hand they decreased it to a year and then six months democratic leaders dismissed all of their proposals, standing firm by their three-month extension plan, which they had publicly endorsed in a joint statement before the meeting. Uh, before going into the meeting with President Trump, Paul Ryan was so, so sure that the Democrat Democrats were going to have to agree to something that the Republicans wanted, and even accused the Democrats of playing politics with people's lives, because they were trying to tie... <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he didn't use those exact words, but that's definitely what he was going with it. Um, Pot, meat, kettle. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they were trying to attach the hurricane relief money along to the, the debt ceiling raising of it. And, you know, that's something the Republicans would do. I mean. It's you, true. That's how that's how politics it's, it's goes. <laughs> like it's one of those things that I hate like when people are fucking stereotypes, but it's like you're being a stereotype. Absolutely. So according to one source familiar with the events, I love when they use uh wording like that. Munich Munchen words. Um yeah, I don't know how this pronounced this guy's name, but he was in the middle of... What's his name? How do you me... spell it? Let me, let me, just let me, let me... Just send it to me. <laughs> send it to you. Oh, Nuchin? Nuchin. So the M is silent? Fun. Okay. I think so. Nuchin. Anyway. Like a, a mnemonic device? With what? Like a mnemonic device. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sure. That's what I would that's what I would assume. Okay, no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so um Newton was in the middle of arguing for a longer term deal in the meeting when the president abruptly cut him off and sided with the Democrats. A senior <laughs> I know, right? A senior that's so, but like also that's not a win though. No, no, it's not. It's just weird and the Democrats are like, oh, um, um, thank you, Mr. President, I think, for, like, five seconds. <laughs> it, it was just, it, it's, it's not necessarily Weird. a win for us, but it's more of a, like, oh, my God, yeah, no. Trump really likes to screw over the Republicans over and over again. A senior Republican source described Trump as being in apprentice mode, a reference to his show, blah, blah, blah. Trump was had just decided to listen and then make a decision on the spot. 
it, oh wow it's just so weird because like the reason this is such a big deal for the republicans is that the republican base really doesn't like raising the debt ceiling and they really hate doing it multiple times a year the only time that they've ever been for it was when it was bad for democrats in um <laughs> so the reason that like the the 18 months is a big deal is because that 18 months would put us after the midterm elections which they know that all of their seats are up for grabs so if they have to vote on this multiple times before next november which we haven't even hit this year's november they can they like can pretty much kiss some of their seats goodbye because again republican base hates raising the debt ceiling so this only puts us into mid-December and it gives the option for Democrats to offer just another short-term deal and enforcing Republicans to have to vote on this or agree on something again for like a second, even maybe a third time before next year's elections. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as it, like, briefly mentioned before, the reason Trump really wants this, like, just agreed and to move on is because that opens up the fall uh, time period. There's a word for it. Anyway, um, for them to make a deal for tax reform, which Trump is all for. Oh, well. So, yeah. I can't wrap my head around what's happening it's kind of weird <laughs> i like i um stumbled across like when i was kind of doing some more research today i stumbled across like so, uh, one of bannon's interviews and he like mentioned how firing the fbi director was a bad move on trump's part well yeah I which mean... is absolutely true but it's like nothing's come nothing's come of that anymore like what's like no, nobody's doing anything nobody gives a shit like no. why is nobody giving a shit and then um kid rock held his first campaign rally and like this is our live now like we have to have fucking celebrities as presidents now. did did i just forget that kid rock is campaigning for something yeah he's running for like uh governor or senator or some shit oh my god you're right i totally forgot that Oh, man, I enjoyed not remembering that. Ugh. Yeah, it's really, like, it's not good. Goodness, okay. Oh, yeah, he's running for U.S. Senate. Uh, Gross. Gross. Yep. Okay, well. Um, uh... Everybody should watch the his campaign speech. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's embarrassing. Uh... Just, like, just watch it so that you know your enemy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Isn't it a little early to be campaigning for that anyways? Trump is campaigning. I mean I mean Trump is campaigning for twenty twenty. You have a you have a strong point there. (laughs) No one gives a shit. Uh, Moving on and away from that. (laughs) I don't know the fuck our lives are anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Like America is turning into like idiot like i i didn't like idiocracy the first time i saw it because i felt like it was too negative Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i was just like there's no way and now i'm like 
I have to go back and rewatch it. Like, mm-hmm. I was wrong. Like, maybe this movie is fucking brilliant right now. <laughs> I know. Oh. I've seen it brought up several times, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want that to be a real thing <laughs> that I have no. to worry about. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Woman of the Week? Yeah. Sorry, I was reading <laughs> oh, James's James comment. Just, yeah, James just um, commented, we can only hope for the bright future that is idiocracy. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love Terry Crews. <laughs> All right. So, um, Woman of the Week this week uh, is Tomoe Gozen. Um, I'm going to butcher it because Japanese pronunciation is a fucking art form and <laughs> there's like there's no um inflection like how we do stuff like it's kind of just straight across kind of thing um anyway so tomoe was a japanese samurai warrior born in the late 12th century not much much is known about her childhood but she did grow up during a time of political upheaval the country was ravaged following the end of the Genpei War. The age of the samurai began around this time. Although Tomoe's personal life remains a mystery, quite a bit is known about her love life. She was the lover and possible wife of Minamoto no Yoshinaka, a warlord, and it was his right-hand woman in battle. She was a master of arms, fighting with a man's katana instead of a, what's that? Ningata. 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 Uh, yeah, so um, Ningatas were kind of more seen as like a woman's like weapon and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, seeing this woman fighting with a katana was like a really huge deal. Um, during battle in 1181, Tomoe defeated and collected the heads of seven mounted warriors <laughs> in 1183 she led 1000 of yoshinaka's men at the battle of tonamiyama during the battle of uchide mohama in 1184 she led 300 of yoshinaka's men into an impossible battle against 6000 and emerged as only as one of only five survivors oh my gosh yeah like that that battle is like super like legendary yeah so during the battle of awazu things began to change dramatically yoshinaka became embroiled with a family rivalry for the right to be shogun his cousin challenged him to be the leader of the minamoto clan and a battle between the two men's forces began when Yoshinaka only had five men left on the battlefield, he called Tomoe to retreat. She defied him, wanting to impress him and prove her love, and rode headfirst into a pack of 30 mounted warriors. She picked out a fra- uh, famed strongman as her f- worthiest opponent and then beheaded him. Holy shit. She just like rode straight in there and was just like, yep, I'm going to fuck him up. Just like, (laughs) you. (laughs) You. (laughs) Um, Yoshinaka asked her to flee after this as he was mortally wounded in battle. His cousin, now uncontested, assumed the role as leader of the clan and shogun of the country. What happened to Tomoe after this loss is really unknown. Some legends say she committed seppuku on the battlefield after the loss. Another, that she tried to flee but was captured by a henchman of the new clan leader. 
She was then forced to become the henchman's concubine and gave birth to the legendary strongman Asahina Saburo Yoshihide. Other legends say Tomoe gave up fighting altogether and chose a life of peace as a Buddhist nun. She lived to be 91 and spent the rest of her life reciting sutras on behalf of her lost love. And another legend tells of vengeance. Tomoe hunted down and killed the men who murdered the man she loved. She then took back the head of Yoshinaka so it could no longer be defiled and then walked into the sea with it, like, presumably drowning. Hmm. Like, that's honestly kind of my favorite story, like, after, um, like, after the, and then the nun one after that. Yeah, I like the nun, yeah, yeah, I like them in that order, too. I love stories like these. (laughs) Oh, so cool. Um, Yeah, like, because the story is so old, there's not really, like, a lot of factual history about it. Mm -hmm. Um, They do... Like, Japanese storytellers, especially around this time, were, like, these blind priests. Mm. Priests that would um, that would kind of, like, play instruments and, like, regale people of these stories and stuff. And then, like, it kind of turned into more of, like, um, an on-stage thing and whatnot. Right. So, yeah. And then, apparently, there's, um, in Kyoto, there is a festival where um, somebody will dress up as her. Oh, cool. And stuff. And, like, yeah. So... It's really, it's really neat. Yeah, I love women. I love when we cover women like this. Like, she's just badass. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, like, my favorite thing about her is that, like, she's she's badass as fuck, but she also has, like, a softer side. Like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she's, like, fighting alongside, like, her, her significant other. And, like, yeah, she's so cool. You can be both, guys. Oh, that was a fun one to end this week's show on. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to suggest something to people. So what I've been doing lately, which I'm just kind of asking people to do, I actually went through every podcast that I listened to and I've given them ratings because I figured half of the shows that I've been listening to, I've been listening to like continuously for the past Mm -hmm. few years. And then I realized, oh, maybe I could like show support for the shows that I like and at least put a rating. You don't have to review all the time, but it is good to do both. So even if you don't feel like doing that for ours, which please, please do that for ours, do that for the shows that you've been like continuously listening to because that's a good way of showing that you're listening. Yeah. It helps people find them. It makes them like happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. All right. Such a good time. All right, guys. Well, have a great week. Yeah. We will see you all next week. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. White Mouse Society is recorded in Salt Lake City, Utah. You can contact us on Twitter and Facebook, or email us at whitemousesociety at gmail.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Please rate, subscribe, and share us with your friends. Special thanks to local artist Heather Mahler for our show logo.